um, we're good to go. How's everybody doing this evening? <laughs> I was, um, today we had um, Hamilton Township inspectors come out to the church to make sure we are, um, we have met all the codes that is required. And we had so many conversations um, with so many people today. And um, they were just talking about God. And not all of them were were like, you know, in a church or anything like that. But they were all in, uh, we all had, we had great conversations about God today. And uh, if I didn't know that uh, since today, I know after today, and it's, it's interesting um, that... Social media is louder than uh, people themselves. And because social media is so loud, it will make you think that the world is a certain way when it's not. And so social media and media in general will have you to think that our world is functioning in a certain way or this is where our world stands. But it's not true. It's just the people um, on social media or media has the loudest voice. And because they have the loudest voice, um, we're thinking that, well, maybe this is how society is. But I just spoke to some people today, and one guy, I mean, he's smoking a cigarette and cursing, but he said, You got to know, everybody's supposed to know that there's something wrong in our world. He says, we can, we can act crazy all we want. We know there is something that's off. Whether we can tell it straight or we know how to articulate it, he says, we know something is wrong in our world. Smoking a cigarette, cussing up a storm. And so our world knows what's going on. And if the church will just not go silent, I don't need us to go crazy. Just don't go silent. Just keep getting the message out there. We will see there are more hungry souls out there than we can ever imagine. They want to hear this. They want to know this truth. And so they want to hear us. But if we just think that because of the social media people and the actual media people, if we think that because they have the loudest voice that we have no hope and it doesn't make sense to even keep going or keep trying, we're mistaken. More people want to hear what's right, what's, what's, what's honest, what's godly, more than you can imagine. So we just have to stay the course, church, and keep doing what God called us to do. And um, we will see that God will bring about the result that he wants. Um, we've been talking about or it's been in the news about the um, the Asbury um, revival, and so there's a lot of different thought, thoughts about the Asbury revival, and um, we don't need to rush to make a decision on everything. I remember when 
one of Jesus' disciples said to him, Master, they're preaching and teaching, and, and I paraphrase, and, and, and it's almost like the disciples are like, they're not preaching and teaching it the way we know it. And Jesus said, let them alone. Because if it's of God, it will stand. If it's not of God, then it won't stand. And so many times we're, we're so quick to have to assess. What is this that we miss out sometimes? Because all we need to do is just keep on doing it. But we spend the time getting concerned about someone lying on me. When all we need to really do is live our life righteously. And if someone is lying on us, it will be told or it will be noticed that they lied on us. Because what I see from your life isn't really what they said. So let's not waste time with things that are meaningless, unproductive, not effective. Let's not worry about that, but let's just live our life the way Christ said we need to live our life, and we will see at the end of the day that we will give God the glory. So for the people that are um, in Asbury that's been worshiping the Lord for days upon days, pray that God will continue to just move on them and that they will not just be satisfied with his touch, with, a, with, a, with an experience, but they will have a transformation of life. That's all we need to do. Lord, let their life be transformed. Let them not just settle for touch, but let their life be transformed that they can tell of the goodness of what you have done in transforming their life. When you're sincere about God and you have some kind of encounter with God, some kind of experience with God, when someone godly comes up to you, to expound the word of God to you a little more deeper, then guess what? You normally just receive it and just accept it. You remember the apostles, well, not the apostles, the disciples of John, when they were at um, Ephesus, and, and Paul met them, and Paul said to them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? They said, we have not even have heard of a Holy Ghost. Then Paul said to them, then what then were you baptized unto? They said we were baptized in the baptism of re repentance. For John truly baptized up with the baptism of repentance. Paul expounded to them, said that you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And they didn't argue with him. They didn't say you're wrong and who are you? Because one thing I can tell you about God. When you're sincere about God, he will send the same kind of witness to you that you will not be, you know, concerned. Is this right or not right? So if the spirit of God is ministering to you, when you get a word from God on top of what the spirit of God is doing, it will be confirmed in the spirit that this is good. Go with it. So if you're not sincere, you will see that you can have all the experience in the world. But you can just be an adrenaline junkie. Many people have come to church and experienced God's presence. I've talked to many people. 
who was it that I just talked that talked about it? Oh, Sister Jimenez. She said, Andre's grandmother, she said, every service that I've come to at Christ Center Church, I've experienced the Spirit of God moving on me. She said, at my home church, it's not always that case. That's not to brag. That's just to let you know that people can come in and experience the move of God's spirit and nothing happens. Nothing changed. Their life is never different. They just enjoy what they feel, but they're not moved to let God change their life. Because people are more uh, accepting of God being the blesser and God not being the Lord of their life. And the bottom line is, the scripture says, we need to allow him to be Lord, ruler of our life. But many of us just are content and satisfied just with God blessing us, just with God providing for us. And we don't want to take it any further. Just bless me, Lord. Just provide for me, Lord. And we don't want to go any further. And we don't realize that's not going to last throughout eternity. Only when your life is transformed will you experience eternal life in Christ. But if you just want a touch and you just want a blessing, it's all temporary. Let's stand. Somebody probably said, that was the sermon. That was good and quick. <laughs> Hallelujah. We had four inspectors came out to the building today. A fire inspector, electrical inspector, a building inspector, and a plumbing in inspector. Everybody had a mark for us. So we got a mark from three of them. One just said, it's all good, brother. You're good. Um, but all of the dings, <laughs> it's interesting. I'm, I, I learn a lot in life because I pay attention. And I felt like it's the standard behavior. You don't have building inspection and they leave without you having to do something. <laughs> I said, Lord, what is this world coming to? You don't have building inspection. And they say, it was all great. You had everything in line. Thank you. Here's your uh, uh, certificate. They don't do that. One guy said, you just need the, the seat for the toilet the, because that's the handicapped one. The front of it, need you need to open front. Okay. No problem. I'm just telling you how it goes. But they got to write something down and say, yeah, we found this and we found that. They're not going to let you just ride. So it was interesting. None of it was anything catastrophic. And so we still feel pretty confident about our March 12th moving date, our first service in the new building. Very confident about that because everything that they asked us to do, uh, we can do it before then. And we don't have to schedule a long drawn out time because once you are calling them back to just look at something that they told you, you need to do. You don't have to go through the rigmarole. So it should be pretty fine. So I just thank God. Um, um, I've learned so much. I keep saying that, but it's, I really have. And our relationship from the very first day we came in here and our relationship with this fire station and with the um, people in this firehouse have paid big dividends in more ways than one. And I won't say it because I don't want anybody listening to our live stream and say anything. But the bottom line is our relationship that we have fostered with this township, with this fire station, have taken us a really, really long way. 
and I appreciate God for what he's doing and for all the people that he has connected us with and connect with us with them. I thank God for it because all of what God is doing is taking us someplace and I thank him for it. God is good. God is good. Amen. Well, let's go before the Lord in prayer and let's pray and ask him to help us tonight and speak to us tonight. I want the word of God to really take root. You know, again, my biggest challenge, I've told our prayer uh, coordinator this, and I'll tell you what I've been telling her because I've, I've been saying it, and that is I don't know what to do. Um, uh, my biggest challenge is um, I believe the style that the Lord has given to me to, uh, to, to minister, um, I usually bring the word across um, to us very clearly. But I'm always challenged within my spirit that, you know, if we're sincere about doing the right thing, what's the holdup? Why don't we take what we receive and run with it? And I'm not comparing myself to anyone, but there were people that laugh at some of us when we had first started going to church because it didn't matter what the preacher said, even if it sounded ridiculous. We did it. So I don't know what happened, and I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm just praying. But if the preacher told you to just go home and take off the door off the hinges and set it on the side because God is going to come to your house tonight, we did it. We didn't ask no We just did it. And now I'm ministering. I'm like, these are straightforward biblical sound teaching and look like people are just taking their time or they don't know how to hear. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I just pray. Jesus, we thank you tonight for bringing us together one more time. You kept us through the highways, the byways, and the travel here into your house tonight. We're so grateful and thankful, Lord God. We're not taking anything for granted because it's your goodness, it's your mercy, it's your kindness that you're showing toward us why we can come into your house and learn of you. And, oh, God, be able to grow up and mature in the word of God and to become the true church, the saints of God, your, your body, Lord Jesus. And, Lord, here we are together again one more time. We want every word that's spoken tonight to go into our hearing, to take root and to grow and to produce fruit, Lord God. We don't want to just be hearers of your word, but we want to be hearers and doers of your word, Lord God. Lead us tonight, Lord. Place me, Lord God, in the flow of your spirit and allow me to speak as your oracle to rightly divide your word of truth, Lord God, that the truth that is spoken here tonight will help us and we will do oh God what truth says we need to do touch our hearts Lord God that we will be tender hearted and receptive to the word of God that Lord Jesus we will not reject or dismiss any of your word but we will apply your word into our daily lives God have your way tonight I pray that the gifts of the spirit will operate and the power of the spirit will move upon us and that before we leave here tonight, Lord, whatever you had set out to do, it will be done in our heart, in our mind, in this atmosphere. Reveal the mysteries of the scriptures according to your will, Lord. As we look to you tonight, the author and finisher of our faith, help 
us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, blessed be the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, glory be to God. Glory be to God. Oh, we bless your name, Lord Jesus. Strengthen us tonight, Lord God. Reveal to us more truth, Lord God. And help us to apply the truth that we already have heard. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, you may be seated. Thank you, Lord. We've been discussing our topic since we for a little over a month now, we've been on this series entitled Be Ye Holy. Be Ye Holy. And so we're going to continue on our topic, Be Ye Holy. Um, this could be the second to last lesson that I will teach you on this. And then we'll move on to the next series and let the Lord direct us. I want to revisit the text that we started out with when we started this um, series out and the text that we focused on quite a bit was first Peter 1 and 15 first Peter 1 and 15 the scripture says in verse 15 but as he talking about the Lord Jesus as he but as he which had called you is holy so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Verse 16 says, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. I've been teaching on a topic that God has commanded us to be. Not, not just a, a, a specific uh, teaching on a specific topic. This is a lifestyle. So while it is a topic, it's what God has called us to be. Not just temporarily, but this is how we ought to be. Mean continuously. And so we have been too casual in that topic of God saying, since I'm holy and you belong to me, I need you to be like me. And part of being like me is being holy. We like to be like God to speak words of, of deliverance. Be set free in Jesus' name. And people are supposed to be set free. Headache, loose them in Jesus' name. Headache, loose them. And we like those kind of things. Oh, God bless him. God's going to bless you with $1,000 in Jesus' name. And those are the things that when we say, when, when, we, when we think about being like God, those are the things that we, we, we want to be like. And then when the preacher come up and talk about this topic, be holy, we kind of start twisting in our seat and twisting our seat like, can you get off that topic? I mean, how important that is. Well, if we're not holy, we're not like him. If we're not like him, we can't be with him. <laughs> and so being holy is very, very important. 
The scripture said in verse 16, in 1 and 16, it says, be holy in all manner of conversation. I don't know if you remember what I said about that word conversation. I dug deeper into the meaning of conversation listed in that particular text. And it meant, when it says, be ye holy in all manner of conversation, it meant, be ye holy, which means, in conversation, which means in every mode of life, not just in what you say. So there are some people that took that text and feel like, be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Oh, that's all about what you say. No, that's part of it. That's not all of it. And so it means mode of life. It also means be holy in your conduct. It also means be holy in your behavior. Be holy in, in, in how the, the, the spending of one's life, how you, you, you conduct your life. You must be holy in how you conduct your life. So that conversation is all encompassing. It's not just in your conversation that you need to be holy. We need to be holy in what we say. But we also need to be holy in our mode of life, in our conduct of life, in our behavior of life. We need to be holy in every facet of life. Not just one, not just two, but in every facet of our life, we need to be holy. Somebody say amen. amen. And so we're not just teaching this just to uh, talk, talk about the, the, the outward appearance of holiness. Yes, that is a big part of it because we talked about whatever is inside will eventually come on the outside. We've been talking about that for weeks, about what's on the inside will come out on the outside. And so we talked about uh, internal holiness. And so lately, we, for the past last series and now, we're talking about external holiness, external holiness. Because if you have internal holiness, you have to have external holiness because what we said, whatever is on the inside, got to come out on the outside. And you can't trick anybody with that and you can't come up with any explanation regarding that because that's a principle that God instituted in just daily living, in just everything, right? Even in planting a seed, Brother Kellerman, you plant a seed and guess what? That's internal. It's in the ground. Eventually, what happens? It bursts out of the ground. It starts growing into a tree. So what is it that's internal, that's hidden, that doesn't come forth at some point in time? All right. And so tonight, I'm going to talk about how can I develop real internal holiness? How can I develop real internal holiness? The good news is that if you are a spirit-filled child of God, you already have internal holiness. For God's spirit is holy. It's important that we're all baptized with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and not just be okay with saying, I feel like I have the spirit. But make sure you confirm you have the spirit. And the only way to confirm it is by the fruit of the spirit coming from your life and secondly with the evidence of speaking with tongues so if you're going to confirm that you have the holy spirit dwelling in you we must exemplify the fruit of the spirit 
So you look in your life and you say, where is goodness? Where is gentleness? Where is meekness? Where is love? You got to look at these things. Are they flowing from my life? And if they are, then now I have to also make sure that I speak with tongues just as the Bible revealed those who received the Holy Spirit spoke with tongues. That's the Bible. It's not something that some Pentecostal preacher came up with. It's what's in the Bible. Again, if you're sincere about God, I never will get too seasoned and know the word of God too good that when somebody comes to me and bring a point to me that I'm not familiar with, that I'm going to shut them down and tell them they're wrong. I will never be too spiritual. I will never be too scholarly that when someone comes to me with a scripture in Bible to say, hey, brother, you know, the Bible says blah, 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 blah. And when they say it to me, I automatically turn them off or reject them because I wasn't doing it. You're setting yourself up because two things you're saying. I know that I do everything right and what I'm doing, I know it's right and I know everything. When you turn somebody off, you shut somebody up. Ah, that ain't right. Okay, you know everything. And so it's important to understand if somebody's sharing something with you that you are not familiar with, the first thing you ask them is, can you show me where that's listed in the Bible? That's the first thing. And then you start going in the Bible and start reading for yourself and say, God, can you give me some enlightenment, some understanding? Because I need to know. And God will certainly let you know. And so if you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, you have the opportunity, the privilege to be holy. Because if holiness is living in you, you have the potential to be holy. Jesus is holy. If you have his spirit, then you have the Holy Spirit in you, which can enable you to be holy. However, if he's in you, you have to let him reign in your life. You have to let him have rulership in your life. And most times we have God's spirit in us. This is why we can say some of those Pentecostal people are so mean. Because they have the Holy Spirit in them, but they have suppressed them. They have the Holy Spirit in them, but they're not letting him be the ruler of their life. So don't make any mistake about it and think, how can a Pentecostal act like that? Because just like someone that don't have the Holy Spirit, if God is not ruling and reigning in your life, you can be the meanest thing. God is not ruling and reigning in your life, you can just be so haughty. That doesn't mean, church, when you see some Christian like that, that you're just going to say, they not no Christian. Jesus called Jonah a prophet. But when he first sent Jonah to go preach, Jonah said, I'm not preaching. For us, we will say, heathen, he ain't no real Christian. I don't know why we do that to each other. We act like we don't have disobedient Christians. Is every Christian obedient? So why when somebody is disobedient as a Christian, we're quick to say, he's in, they ain't no real Christian. Just say. Since holiness is God's very nature, 
When we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive a holy nature in us. Through the Spirit's power, we can overcome sin and live righteously. However, our old nature is not eradicated, but merely subdued within us. So our flesh still has the ability to commit sinful acts. However, the born-again nature within us restrains us from habitually committing sin. As long as we let the Spirit lead us, we will not sin always. So, just to give you an understanding of what I just said, because maybe some of you didn't catch all of it, I want to bring your attention to Romans 7 and 18. Maybe we can understand what I just said a lot clearer. Romans 7 and 18. Let me get there. And so in Romans 7, verse number 18, the scripture says, For I know, this is the Apostle Paul talking, the guy that the Lord used to to write two-thirds of the New Testament. God used him to do that. The guy that has seen more miracles than you and I probably will ever see in our lifetime. He has probably seen more miracles in his time of being a child of God than we will ever see in our whole lifetime. He wrote this by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. For I know that in me, he's talking about himself, that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. Can I take my time and help you with that? He says, for I know that is in me, talking about in his flesh, in our fleshly desires. It says our fleshly desires don't have anything good within us. Our flesh only wants to do what's ungodly. Our flesh only wants to please itself. Our flesh don't want to do nothing for anybody. Our flesh just want to take care of us. And so Paul is pointing this out that he realized that his flesh, there's nothing good about it. He says, after he says there's nothing good about it, he says, for to will is present with me, but How to perform that which is good, I find not. Basically, he's saying, I've got the Holy Ghost in me. So even though I'm in the flesh, I still have the Holy Ghost in me too. And the Holy Ghost can help me to live right. But I don't even know how to make that work. This is Paul. He is saying, flesh ain't no good. It will destroy me because it just want to be sinful. But the good news, I've got the Holy Ghost. But to make the Holy Ghost reign over my flesh, that's very difficult to do. Verse 19. He says, for the good that I would do not, but the evil which I would not that I do. Paul, Paul is saying, got the Holy Ghost, but man, oh man, I want to do what's right because the Holy Ghost is compelling me to do what's right. But that flesh boy... It can get the best of you. And so this is what he's saying. 20. Now if I do not. If, now if I do that. 
I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. So Paul is saying that flesh is so strong and sinful, it just just gets the best of me. It's not my mind. It's not my will that's doing it. It's the sin that's so strong that have taken my life for so long. It gets the best of me often and often. But I've got the Holy Ghost though. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. You ever, you ever, you ever had even, either a powerful um, a, a time of prayer or a service is wonderful, outstanding, God blessed, and, you know, God do a miracle in your life. And as soon as that's over, here comes some messed up ungodly thing, whether it's a memory or somebody come trying you with some ungodliness. And you're like, man, I just had a great time in God. That's never changing because it happened to Paul. It's going to happen to us. And so is um, would evil is present with me all the time. Right. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Let me slip this, slip this in. If you don't learn to love the word of God, sin will reign in your life. Because this is the key that Paul is sharing now, how he's able to keep getting the victory. Because he's not telling you that um, it's easy for him. We see clearly it's not easy for him. But what he's saying is, but because I love the Lord, the word of God, that helps me to get over that. But if you look at the word of God as some evil thing, if you look at the word of God as something that's making life difficult for you, then guess what? You're going to slack up on the word of God a lot and sin will get the best of you. You got to love the word of God. Love the word of God. <laughs> and so he, sa- he says there, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Paul is saying, this is why. Now, this is touchy for some of y'all. This is why when you really get God real good, death doesn't become scary. Because you realize once I die, I get rid of this body and sin can do nothing else to me. Because really the sin that I commit was because of this flesh. When I'm no longer in this flesh, I'm good to go. But because we like the flesh so much, we don't want to die. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law, the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So the flesh is always going to be bound by sin. But if you in your mind and in your heart will will yourself to love the word of God and live for God, you will win out because really what counts is what's going on in the mind and the heart. And if you can get the mind and the heart to love the word of God and to go in God's direction, you will overcome the sin that's trying to dominate you in the flesh. And so, if we're going to be holy, we have to let the Holy Spirit reign in our mind and in our heart. Listen to this. As long as a bird flaps its wings, 
The law of aerodynamics enables it to overcome the law of gravity. However, gravity has not been destroyed. If the bird folds its wings, gravity reasserts itself and the bird plunges to the ground. Christians can live above sin if they continuously or continually flap their spiritual wings. So it's, it's, you will never be able to live and never slip up in sin, but just keep on striving to live holy. Keep on striving to live righteously. Keep on striving to serve God. Keep on striving to please God, and you will find that the day will come where you will overcome, and you will truly, truly have won the battle against sin. It starts from inside. And if you give God the authority and the rulership, the lordship in your life on the inside, you will begin to see it come out on the outside. What we wear is very much a part of who we are. What we wear is very much a part of who we are. You hear that, Jordan? What we wear is a very much a part in who we are. You'll figure it out because you're a smart guy. My children make me proud on Wednesday nights when we do devotions. They are so good. When they get in the Word of God, they surprise me, man. They get in the Word of God, they start breaking some things down. This past Wednesday was Jordan night to break it down. And he broke it down like a shotgun. They do good. I'm proud of them. I'm proud of you, Jordan. I'm proud of you, Peyton. How you all just get in the word of God and they can explain it and teach it. Um, their goddad, Brother White, told me to ask Peyton if she's willing to come up and teach one day. She said, I don't know about that now, Dad. I said, honey, you're good, though. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> our clothes reveal not only our social and economic levels but also our moral values. Nobody wants to agree with that. I'm going to help you, though. You don't have to agree with it. Again, it's the word of God. What we wear reveals what we want the world to believe or admire about us. <laughs> I'll say that again. What we wear reveals what we want the world to believe or admire about us. Even if your attire is raggedy or without care, you are sending a message. People who adorn their bodies with eye-catching cosmetics, jewelry, and clothing, they're seeking something. When they become a Christian and discover that God accepts them as they are in their natural beauty, they gradually lose their desire to decorate their bodies and wear ornaments. That's what we miss and folks don't understand. They don't know what God thinks of them. 
If they come to the point of realizing what God thinks of them, they will know God prefers you to be as natural as you can be as how he created you. This is why God made us understand he's a jealous God. Because when you want to wear what you think you should wear, when you want to look the way you think you should look, that's like spitting in his face. I want to add to what you have done. He says, don't add and don't take away. And when you decide that you need to dress up yourself a little bit, you need to advance yourself a little bit, you're telling God he didn't do a good enough job, so let you do your thing. Or you're just playing out, just want to be noticed by people. It's up to you. Either way you take it, God is not pleased. Either you're trying to get people to, to, to look at you and you get some attention, or you feel like I'm doing this for me. Okay. What are you telling God? You're doing it for you. Okay. Yeah, because I don't get dressed for nobody. I get dressed for myself. And when I put this on, it's for me. Cool. No, God. It doesn't matter what he said. doesn't matter how he created you. You're just doing your thing. You're adding to what he created. Okay. Okay. And so, as they recognize that the Lord loves them, and love, what he loves most about you is who you are inwardly, your personality, your character. He loves who you are, what's, what, what you're all about on the inward part. He's not interested in what you're putting on your body to make up how you need to look or present yourself or to fit in. That's not what he's looking for. He's looking for your heart. He's looking for your character. He's looking at who you are, not what you got on. And so we make a big deal about what we got on. Uh-huh. If external holiness in dress is not developing in the life of a believer, then immaturity, a worldly spirit, or incorrect teaching is to be to blame. I got to say that again. So if you're living for God and we are not seeing internal holiness that starts to become external holiness, if that's not the case, if you've been living for God for a while and we're not seeing external holiness because of what's going on in the inside. If that's the case, it means you're an immature believer. It means that you have a worldly spirit. Or it means that you have not received incorrect teaching, which we know in this church, that's not the case. So if you're in this church and you haven't allowed internal holiness to become external, then either you're an immature Christian or you have a spirit of worldliness. There are many sincere believers who are sincere doing what is wrong before God. Don't forget that. What's going on? They, they, but they, they, they sincere. You can be sincerely wrong. Being sincere is not a prerequisite for having truth. No, you can be sincerely wrong. And so there's a lot of people walking around telling you that God is okay with it. They're sincerely wrong. 
And when they get taught the truth and they don't follow it, either they got a worldly spirit or they're immature. Or flat right, just rebellious. Hosea 4 and 6 says this. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of, of thy God. I will also forget thy children. Remember I gave you a little nugget last week and it might have went over your head. Let me give it back to you this week again. People that are struggling with holiness are people that don't really have a desire to serve God. Why can you say that, preacher? If you have a desire or a passion to serve God, you don't allow anything to get in your way of serving God. So in this church, if I say, Sister Jackson come to me and says, you know, God has called me to be an usher in this church. And I say, Sister Jackson, I am so glad. I felt the same way that God has called you to be an usher in this church. But Sister Jackson, here are the requirements in this church to become an usher. And I run it all the way down. I says, a woman got to dress like a woman. She got to be modest and she got to you know, present herself right. Her conduct got to be right. She got to be holy. And I'm running it all down. And then she say, well, it don't take all of that to serve God. Was she really sincere about serving God? But some people, we let people get away with it. And anybody in this church that I run it down to, because in all ministries in this church, there are requirements. Different ministry, different requirements. Some of the same ministry, have, some, of the, some of the ministries have the same requirements. But as you get to learn, you'll realize there are certain ministry, different requirements. But I'm not going to back down from it because I'm not going to allow you, if you're going to be a hypocrite, you're going to be a hypocrite on your own. What do you mean by that preacher? Because I'm not being mean. What do you mean by that preacher? When you got the job that you got, there's an HR policy. And that HR policy told, tells you how you need to conduct yourself on their job. It tells you how you need to dress. It tells you how you need to treat your fellow co-worker. It tells you everything you need. And I'm sure you didn't agree with all of it. But you didn't walk away from the job. So you, I won't allow you to be a hypocrite through what we're doing here. If you're going to do it, you're going to be on your own. You're not going to be able to say, well, it don't take all of that. Sure, it don't take all of that in, in, in some other church, but it take all of that in this church. And if you don't like it that way, then you know what? You probably want to go like it the way you want to go like it. But the bottom line is this. You're being a hypocrite. That's what I'm really saying, because you have a job that have called you to called you out to say, this is how you got to serve in this job. And you're still working there. And you didn't like everything. Some jobs tell you you can only have a half hour lunch and some of you want an hour lunch. Did you leave the job because of that? I want an hour lunch. I don't like a half hour lunch. Some of the jobs tell you you can't wear what they call um. Um, Lululemons, and you mad because you want to wear your Lulu to work. 
the, 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 the name of the stretchings. You know, is that what they call the leggings? The leggings, yeah. And, and they got a store. They got a store called Lululemon. That's the who's that to stretch your leggings. Come on, don't mess with me. Don't mess with me. So your job telling you you can't wear that because some women just like to wear that and a long T-shirt. Job say you can't wear it. You ain't quit yet. So why are we in church and we acting like when the, if the preacher say, the, 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 listen, we have certain requirements and standards, how we need to present ourselves, how we, what we need to wear because we're serving the Lord. I gave you the example last week of a surgeon, how he got a scrub and put on his hat and put on his gloves and put on all this stuff. And he got to go in and, and what he do? He got to, you know, they got to put on his, his, his robe and he got to go in and, and go in and, and go do a surgery, a procedure on somebody. And he had to put on certain kind of clothing. He had to make sure he was clean to go operate on people. And we got a problem if I say, sis, we don't wear pants in this church. If you're in leadership, we don't wear pants. If you're in leadership, if you're wor- if, if you're not in leadership, you can dress however you want. But if you don't, if you're in leadership, we don't wear that. Don't stone me for that, because as I said, you do other things at work. Y'all quiet. Give me some brick. G- g- give me. G- don't, don't be mad at me. Don't throw stones at me. Don't walk away from God. Don't leave the church because because you have to think about that. If the preacher is saying to you, we we have certain dress code for certain ministry in this church. Don't throw stones at the preacher. Don't be mad. Don't walk away. I'm only telling you out of love because it's part of Christian maturity. And and what is it that we want to hold on to so badly? That we don't want to change certain things about us. What is it? I mentioned today to someone, I was talking to him, I said, is God asking any one of us to sacrifice our firstborn? We like to get all worked up about stuff, but I'm just going biblical all day. You, you see, I never get out of the book, right? But I get out of the book, you tell me, you know the book. I never get out of the book. He wouldn't sit in this church if I get out of the book. And so the bottom line is God asked this man, go sacrifice your firstborn to me. I want your firstborn. Is he asking us for firstborn or he just saying, look, modest and holy. I'm just saying, I'm, I don't know. I'm trying my best to do the best to help you. That's all I'm doing. Trying to help you the best I can so you don't allow the devil to trick you. So you don't allow people to talk you out of your faith. Because I'm trying to teach you what's biblical. And God is not asking us to sacrifice our firstborn. But he is asking us to be holy. He is asking us to be modest. I don't think there's anything I want to hold back from Jesus. Whatever he asks is like, okay, Lord. I mean, you know, what are we talking about here? Eternal life. And changing the way I dress? Is that what we're talking about right now? Is that something to talk about? Eternal life or the way you dress? Is that negotiation? I ain't trying to negotiate that. That ain't no good negotiation to have. No, 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 no. Many ministers preach Jesus accepts you no matter how you live or what you wear. The message is true but incomplete. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus initially accepts us as we are. 
capital B, capital U, capital T in my notes here. He will also subsequently empower us to become what we ought to be. However you are today, I don't care if you're the greatest Christian in the world, you still ain't what you ought to be. However you're living today, I don't care how holy and how righteous, you still aren't what you're supposed to be according to the Lord. Ain't according to the preacher. Ain't according to the preacher. Ain't according to the preacher. Your modest apparel silently, or I'm sorry, your modest apparel silently tells the world that you live to glorify God, not yourself. Why you always got skirt on? Because I'm living to glorify God. You ain't got to do all that to glorify God. How do you know? How do you know? My relationship with him is my relationship with him. Your relationship with him is your relationship with him. And remember what I told you so you can hold on to this. It just may be you are more mature than the person that's asking you that question. And because we're trying to help them to become more mature, we're not going to make them feel bad. So all you say is, Listen, my relationship with the Lord is my relationship with the Lord. This is one of the ways that I glorify him. How you glorify him, I'm not going to knock you on that. But this is the way I glorify him. And you keep it moving. Don't embarrass them. Don't tell them you're holy and they're not. Please don't do that. You're just telling them how you glorify your God. And you just keep on glorifying your God the way you glorify your God. Uh huh. Clothing is very significant in scriptures. Clothing for modesty's sake was instituted by God. How can you say that, preacher? I'm almost done and make you stop making you uncomfortable. Genesis 3:21 says, "Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them." From the beginning of time. Nakedness was a sign of shamefulness. This is what me and some of these inspectors was talking about all day today. They was going in and out, right? Right, Cal? Me and Cal was at the church today all day just waiting for the inspectors to come through. And we talking and the inspectors come and they having deep conversations. I'm like, this is crazy. These people barely go to church. But they was having deep conversations. And there are things that, this is why one of the guys, his name was Gene, says, Come on, we all know something is just off in our world. And here is another scenario. All of you know that when you're young and you're growing up and you're starting to get mature in your body, what do you do? Come on, come on, come on. I got a daughter that's at that age that she is very modest and covering up. She makes sure nobody, and I'm glad. But I remember when I, too, was a kid, when I started getting a certain age, my grandmom used to bathe me, in case y'all don't know. And when I was a kid, my grandmom used to bathe me. As I started getting older, oh, no, you can't bathe me. No, no, you ain't bathe me. You crazy? No. So we are just deceiving ourselves, Brother Izzy, in, in, or denying that we know once we understand nakedness, we cover up. And then all of a sudden, we get Mature, and we uncover. What am I missing? And then we justify it. 
when Adam and Eve sinned, they got leaves and covered up. Leaves. The woman covered up both her private parts. Well, two of her private parts. With leaves. The man covered up one of his private parts with leaves. And guess what? What we just read. And unto Adam, also unto his wife, did the Lord clothe them with coats of skin. Anybody know what a coat is? Anybody know the difference between coat and jacket? Yeah? Tell tell me, Sister Cook. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. What else? Then. Okay. Heavier, longer, and then it says animal skin. So, you know. Real nice. So thick and long. But when they covered themselves, small and short. Can you, you, do you, listen, when I first, this was one of my revelations in scripture. That when I read it, I said, my goodness. The very first time God showed us what covering our bodies was, was the coat. Long. And today, we want to show everything. And then we have some little ways. We say, I'm hot. Y'all don't understand. Let me see. You trapped the Middle East. If you know anything about heat, flesh on flesh make you hotter. Than good cotton on flesh. <laughs> Somebody's trying to work their mind. What is this? Ah. I say some things sometimes that y'all try to wiggle out of, and you're like, ah, that preacher. Because that's a fact. You think you're being cool by being naked? You're lying to yourself. You don't get cool by being naked. And if you're naked, you better be sleeping in good sheets so you can wrap yourself within the sheets. Because good material on your body make your body cool as opposed to flesh on flesh. It just sweat. Women, am I right or wrong? All right. All right. I'm asking women. I ain't even asking the brothers. Because y'all know. Y'all have more flesh on flesh than men have flesh on flesh. So, so you know it's just miserable sometime in the summertime when it's hot, when flesh is touched up against flesh. But that's the explanation of why we make it. I don't know what else to say. Nakedness is a mark of shame. In Luke chapter 8, verse 27, and when he went forth to, to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time and and, 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 and wore no clothing, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. I'm finished up with this, because I remember this in Jamaica. What we call them, madman. Aren't they usually naked? And we stay far from them. Again, just common things that we know, but all of a sudden in 2023, we try to twist it to, some, to make it be something else. When I was growing up and we saw any crazy person out there, they were usually kind of naked. I'm like, man, he smell and everything, and I'm just walking far. If you're on this side of the road, I'm going on the other side of the road. But all of a sudden, we want to be naked. 
And so the man that was out of his mind was naked. He had devils. The devils tormented him and he was naked. But in Mark 5 and 15 it says, And they came to Jesus and see him, the, the crazy man, that was possessed with the devils and had the legions sitting and clothed and in his right. I'm done talking. I'm just going by Bible. When you're naked, you ain't in your right mind. I don't care what you think and what you tell people. I'm in my right mind. I just got to look sexy. You're not in your right mind. That's what the Bible says. That the man, when he was naked and running around like an idiot, he was a madman. And then when Jesus touched him and loosed him and delivered him, he was clothed in his right mind and had clothes on. You're naked, you're crazy. I'm done. I remember, you know, you can see things coming from far. I remember before I got saved, and I used to go to Don's Hall. And um, if you don't know about the dance hall, Brother Tom, I'm sorry. But, okay, good. But I used to go to dance hall. And, you know, the girls there, they always showed up curves. But, man, I remember when it started getting bad. And there was a time where you walked in, and they were just walking around in bras and panties. I just, I don't understand. But back then, that was normal. I wasn't like, what is she doing? Because I was right there. I, I mean, I wasn't dressed like them. But you wanted your girl to be dressed like that. Come on, girl. We're going to dance So the session. And she got to be dressed a certain way. She ain't dressed a certain way. She can't come with you. And she need to be dressed like that because she knows she ain't dressed like that. There are other girls that's dressed like that. You're going to be looking at them. Now, I ain't talking about because my mom, you know, I know, she, I know her. She in there sitting over there thinking about something. I didn't go to those parties. Good. You didn't come to dance like us. We was at the nasty dance hall. That they don't get going till about 2 a.m. And they run till, till the sun come up. That was bad. And they was naked. They wasn't in their right mind. What are in their right mind, honey? Let's stand. <laughs> I ain't no good. But I got too much worldly experience and that's why I can talk like this and teach like this, because I lived in that world a mess. And I was deceived and I was blinded. And God has opened my eyes and removed the scales from my eyes. And now I can see I was a crazy person. Now I can see that I was ignorant and I was lost. And now that I've found my way because God has led me, I want to help somebody else not to be in that way. I want to help somebody else not be lost. And that's why I talk the way that I talk and teach the way that I teach because I got to know that this is just, we got to help our people. We got to help each other. We got to help each other. Amen. We have a guest with us tonight. Michael. Can't say your last name, so I'm just going to leave it at Michael. Michael. Michael, nice to meet you. Nice to have you here tonight in Christ Center Church. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming. Michael, if there's anything at all that we can do to help you to know the Lord Jesus Christ a little bit better, 
If we can help you to grow in Christ, to live for Christ, whatever we can do in that area, please don't hesitate to ask us because we want you to live your best life. And your best life can only come through obeying the teachings of Jesus Christ. That's how you're going to live your best life. That's how you're going to experience eternal life is by obeying the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for bringing us together and speaking to our hearts. Lord, we want your kingdom to come and for your will to be done. Lord, tonight, I pray that every word spoken. Lord, I believe I stayed in the word of God and I spoke your word and I taught your word, Lord God. And now, Lord, all I can do is say, please, Lord, will you let the words that were spoken into our hearing take root and grow and produce good fruit? Will you allow the word that we heard tonight, Lord God, to transform our life? That, Lord, we will not keep your commandments grievously. Lord, help us to love truth, almighty God. To obey truth, Lord God. And to live truth, almighty God. That we will not reject your word. That we will not reject knowledge. But we will hold to truth. And live out truth and apply truth in our life, Almighty God. I pray that this church will love truth, Lord God. For you are the way, the truth, and the life. And when we love truth, we love you, Jesus. And we pray tonight that you will help us to hold firm to righteousness and truth and holiness. And walk by faith and not by sight, Lord God. Help us to grow up, Lord God, into maturity. Help us, Lord God, to live a life. Oh, God, that is pleasing unto you. I pray that you will bless your people. Touch us in a special way, Lord God. Oh, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come, Lord. Lord, as we go from this place tonight, Lord, keep us that no harm or danger will come to us. Will you watch over us, Lord God, and keep us from all danger and from all harm, that we may get to our respective place of dwelling safely and in your care. Lord, we thank you tonight. We praise you for all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Give to the building fund before you leave. Listen, we'll be all right, and I know we will, and you won't hear me coming to you with a whole lot of stuff, but I will tell you this. You spend money that you don't budget for when you buy a place like this and trying to get ready to move in, and every once in a while I'm thinking, all right, we're done spending, and here comes something else. And all the little things that we got today is going to cost us money. Maybe not crazy money, but it's cost us some money. So if you can give to the building fund and you can give a great offering, tell somebody bring a great offering Sunday. That would be really good. We will really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your night.
my King.